in a world where truth and deception intertwine. The tale of Eleanor Williams emerged as a disconcerting reminder of the power of falsehood. Eleanor captivated audiences with a harrowing account of being kidnapped, trafficked, and subjected to unimaginable assault at the hands of Asian men. Her Facebook post, adorned with vivid details and heartfelt pleas for justice, sparked a wave of sympathy and support from far and wide. When the fragile facade began to crumble, what had initially gripped hearts and minds of everyone with its sheer intensity turned out to be an intricate web of lies spun with calculated precision. Why had she chosen to concoct such an elaborate falsehood? What compelled her to seek solace in a fabricated world of pain and victimhood? Let us delve into the heart of darkness where the tale of how her evil web of lies destroyed multiple lives about Eleanor Williams. But this tale has left me in complete and utter astonishment, and I think there is a very important lesson to be learned from it. Before we get started, though, I want to let you know that every day on this site I upload true crime stories about odd instances. Therefore, if you are interested in content similar to that, we ask that you subscribe to our channel. And with that out of the way, I'd ask that you take a deep breath and walk with me through the dark. This is the situation that Eleanor Williams finds herself in. A little town that is nestled up against the Irish Sea may be found located along the coast of northern England. And with a population of approximately 55,000 people, those who choose to make their homes in Barrow and Finesse enjoy a more peaceful way of life. Because it is around 100 miles from Manchester, 100 miles from Leeds, 100 miles from the Scottish border, and 100 miles from the Isle of Man, Barrow and Finesse are considered to be fairly isolated port towns that are subjected to the chilly air of the ocean on their own. However, the fact that it is located in a remote area should not lead you to believe that it is of no significance. There is a wealth of evidence to suggest that people have been settling in this region for a significant number of centuries. The Romans, the Vikings, and the Cistercian monks are all included in this category. During the 19th century, the town and the areas immediately surrounding it experienced a significant boom in population. This was made possible by the construction of a brand new rail route in the 1840s and a brand new dockyard in the 1860s. And by the year 1876, Barrow had constructed the world's most extensive steel works as well as the most powerful furnace. In recent years, sadly, Bars and finesse have passed their heyday and are no longer at their peak. The industrial collapse was the first of many challenges, and unfortunately, much like the rest of northern England, the strong reliance on the now dwindling industry has had a big impact on overall productivity. This is due to the fact that the high reliance on the industry has had a substantial impact on overall productivity. The fact that the majority of government funding is still concentrated in and around London and the south of England is not helping matters, 
since several regions in the north of England have been negligently and regrettably allowed to deteriorate. On the other hand, it would appear that this region is undergoing something of a rebirth, mostly as a result of the growth of the technology and media industries. In any case, the town itself offers a rich variety of activities. Walney is the name of a tiny island that can be found just outside of town. To the north is where you'll find Furnace Abbey, while to the south you'll find Peel Island. The Great Lakes National Park is approximately a half hour down the road. The Jubilee Bridge is the only bridge that provides access to and from the island. And as one would soon come to learn, this separation from the mainland looks to represent a larger sense of affluence. The prices of homes in this area are about twice as high as those on the mainland. Eleanor Williams and her family can be found on Mornley Island, which is also where we find the rest of the Williams family. Eleanor, who was 22 years old, came from a very supportive and affectionate family. The Williams household, which was located on Teesdale Road, was large enough to be considered bustling at all times due to the presence of the biological mother, stepfather, biological brother, and biological sister. Eleanor had a wonderful circle of friends while she was a student at Morley High School. On the other hand, many of the people who were close to her thought of her as being somewhat peculiar. She would frequently skip school, dash out of classes, or even completely avoid attending them altogether. And the majority of people in her immediate environment described her behavior as odd, to say the least. I mean, on occasion, every single one of us behaves in peculiar ways. To tell you the truth, my cat and I engage in full-fledged talks on a regular basis, which I understand may strike some people as odd. I've been known to make some extremely strange expressions in the mirror, experiment with picking things up with my feet, and watch a lot of documentaries based on true crimes. I get it, okay. I'm strange. You're strange. We are all odd in our own ways. However, it is not what Eleanor's friends meant when they referred to her. Because, in terms of her social life, she appeared to be reserved even zestful at times. Neighbors, on the other hand, remarked that she was a really pleasant woman who came from a very happy family and a household that provided a lot of support. Her mother used to work for the Labor Party, and her grandmother used to be a cabinet member for children's services. Her grandmother also worked for the Labor Party. So, certainly, Eleanor came from a strong family that was filled with strong women who encouraged and supported her as she entered adulthood. And in the year 2019, Eleanor relocated from the family house into the vicinity of Barrow, where she now resides in her own apartment. We'll get into the specifics at a later time. But Eleanor vanished for a total of 32 different occasions over the course of the next few months. And naturally, this caused her mother a tremendous deal of concern. But in May 2020, as a result of a chain of acts and consequences, Eleanor's world, 
along with the worlds of everyone else in her immediate vicinity, would come crumbling down. It was on this particular day that Eleanor decided to come forward and share a tale in the most public and open manner that was available to her. Her post on Facebook detailed an extremely upsetting story, the kind of story that could make even the most resilient individual's stomachs churn and the most apathetic individual's souls burn with rage. The opening line of the status update on Facebook read, this is the hardest post I'm ever going to write. The young woman, who was 19 at the time, asserted that she had been kidnapped in order to engage in sexual activity with three Asian men, and that she had also been trafficked across the northern part of England, Amsterdam, and Ibiza. She further claimed that she was beaten by these men because she owed them money for not attending parties due to the coronavirus outbreak. She stated that the reason for the beating was because she was in debt to these individuals. She then went on to share a number of images of herself in which she appeared to have horrible injuries, such as a black eye and cuts, and cuts and bruises all over her body and face. The account of Eleanor's experience caused widespread consternation on the Internet, as was to be expected. Her message has received over 100,000 views, caused a sensation in both regional and national media, infuriated hundreds of thousands of individuals, and brought the communities of Barrow and Finesse to a complete and utter standstill. Due to the grave nature of these claims, the vast majority of people immediately believed her. Her sister and her family came to her assistance and a newly established community did the same thing. On Facebook, more than 60,000 people joined the group, and the hashtag HashJusticeSephorally started trending on the social media platform. In addition to this, a campaign to raise money for her legal representation was started under her name, and it was successful in raising more than 22,000 pounds which is equivalent to $27,000. It appeared to Eleanor and her family, who had been aware for some time that she had been injured and had been missing for the past few months, that the world had at last become aware of the horrible tragedy they had been going through. They were now in possession of financial backing, a robust sense of community, and a ferociously insatiable thirst for justice. Eleanor's story was going to get told regardless of the obstacles that stood in its way because she had a powerful wind behind her. And those who had purportedly caused her a tremendous deal of harm were now going to pay for it in the most upsetting ways possible. They would now have to face not only the fury of the legal system, but also the wrath of an enraged general public as a result of their actions. Eleanor did, however, have one issue that was quite minor but extremely significant, and that was. What she said was complete and utter hogwash. You know, it took investigators quite some time to find out this information, and when they finally did, I'm sure they didn't want to accept it, because making up such a heartless tale is an act of pure depravity. But they eventually did believe it. But the more they poured over the surveillance footage, facts, and statistics, the more they came to the conclusion that, sure, 
Eleanor's claim was a complete fiction, and to think that they were so taken aback by it. Because of this, the investigation was directed at Eleanor instead. It has come to light, however, that a number of the officers on the force were not, in fact, astonished to receive this information, because they were familiar with Eleanor from their previous interactions with her. This movie contains a vast quantity of surveillance material that we can show you, but before we get started, I want to walk you through Eleanor's tumultuous past so that we can have a better understanding of her lives. Eleanor was already recognized by the authorities as a young woman who was susceptible to harm, as was mentioned earlier. In fact, prior to the claimed assault, she had been reported missing from her own house a total of 32 times in the preceding year before the incident in question. She regularly abused substances like marijuana and cocaine, and she vanished during one of her drug benders the majority of the time. This is only one of her many cases of going missing. To add one more layer to this, she was typically discovered in an inebriated and half-naked, kid-state in and predictably located areas. Eleanor has a very dark and shameful background when it comes to falsehoods around assault, regardless of the new claims that have been brought against her. In 2017, she disclosed to a local nurse that a man by the name of Cameron Bibby had sexually abused her. Bibby was the offender. It would appear that he tampered with her drink and then physically assaulted her while the two of them were attending a home party in Borough. However, the truth would finally be revealed to the authorities by the fact that this was an absolutely unequivocal fabrication. Two years later, in March 2019, she reported to one of her co-workers that on a night out, she was reportedly drugged by a local man called Jordan Tranga, and that he then assaulted her. She said this occurred two years earlier. Following the event, this co-worker contacted the authorities in the interest of doing the right thing. Eleanor, however, denied the allegations when a police officer from Cumbria tried to talk to her about them. She stated that she did not want to bring charges against the person. Even though Jordan and Eleanor were at the same party, she left about three-quarters of the way through the evening. In addition to this, Jordan was completely unfamiliar with her and did not have any kind of connection to her in any way. Jordan was accounted for the entire night, and it wasn't only by friends. Police had actually dropped him off that night after he'd had an issue with a taxi driver. Therefore, it would have been impossible to prove that he was guilty in any case, and it was actually impossible to prove that he was guilty in any case. In addition to this, he had also arrived back at his house with a different girl who he had been dating recently, and she served as a rock-solid alibi for him. Around the same time as this event, Eleanor moved out of the house she shared with her family and into a place of her own. And when added to the fact that she vanished dozens of times, it caused a tremendous lot of stress for her family. But because she was anonymous and there was no one to hold her physically accountable, she was able to make up her own story and lie about it. In addition, 
she alleges that several other males were involved in the abuse that she suffered at the hands of Cameron and Jordan. Unfortunately, this includes members of the family. Man Mohammed Ranzan. Eleanor asserted that he had groomed her beginning when she was 12 years old and continuing after that. Additionally, it was stated that they were all members of a violent aging clique that preyed on young women and trafficked them to other men at parties. Now, Eleanor's accusations of evil centered on a number of occurrences that were carried out by a variety of individuals, but at the time, she had very little idea that the proof against her account was extremely overwhelming. Now let's go on to the charges that have been made against Mohammed. Eleanor stated that Mohammed coerced her into going to Blackpool, where she was then assaulted by a group of men who included other individuals. On the other hand, it turned out that this whole scenario was a fabrication in its entirety. On the day that she stated she was coerced into going to Blackpool, a surveillance camera captured this image of her standing alone at the train station in Preston. In addition to this, Mohammed was completely absent from the scene. As can be observed in this location surveillance film, she was spotted spending the evening completely alone. She had made a reservation for the night at the Palatine Hotel for herself, and at 9.40 p.m., she was there. At the hotel's convenience store, she was observed purchasing milk and instant noodles. An examination of the activities on her phone revealed that she had spent the majority of the night viewing videos on YouTube, and it appeared that she did not emerge from her room again until 10.40 in the morning. The morning after the previous day. The following day, while she was heading home, she was once again caught on tape by another surveillance camera. A video in the bus terminal in Preston was able to confirm that she was there by herself and that she did not have any obvious injuries. Notice. In addition to these charges, Eleanor asserted that Muhammad had transported her to Amsterdam, beaten her, and then sold her to the highest bidder. She also alleged that Muhammad had sold her after taking her there. Having said that, there was one very significant aspect that went against this. On the same day that Eleanor asserted that she had seen Mohammed in Amsterdam, he was cited at a B&Q while he was still in England. Eleanor's account of their whereabouts was contradicted. In addition to this, he even possessed invoices to show that this was the case. To zero in on the most important part of all of this, Eleanor was discovered by the police late at night on May 18, 2020. This took place in the year 2020. She was found lying in a field with serious wounds, including an eye that was swollen and a finger that was partially severed. She stated that a member of the gang had picked her up and then brought her to a house where ten men were waiting for her. And I think you can probably figure out what she said happened after that. Eleanor's account, on the other hand, did not make complete sense to the officers. A short time later, they discovered a hammer covered in her blood leaning against a fence close to the location where she was discovered earlier that evening. In addition, 
The pathologist from the home office came to the conclusion that her injuries did not match up with the events that she described. But this surveillance film, which can be accessed right here, is one of the most incriminating pieces of evidence and contradicts what was said before. Because just a few days before she was found in a field, a surveillance camera at the local Tesco saw her purchasing that exact same hammer. She was later located in the field. This indicates that she was the sole source of the harm done to her face and body, which can be seen in her images. She had been the one to inflict each and every mark on herself before waiting for someone in her field to notice her presence. Not only that, but in addition to that, she would go on to take pictures of herself and blame her acts on a number of men who were not responsible for her conduct. Even before her trial, the lies she told caused an incredible amount of harm that was really tragic. And not just to the people who she accused of using, but also to a great number of other people all throughout town. A neighborhood curry business had its window smashed in after her allegations, and a Muslim man was chased down the street after having beer poured over his head. Both of these incidents took place after her statements. The hostility directed at all of the town's aging residents reached an all-time high. In addition to this, throughout that summer, there was a tripling in the number of crimes motivated by racial hatred. Following the dissemination of her allegations into the public domain, Mohammed's home was raided in the middle of the night, resulting in property damage that now needs to be repaired. And in one instance, the ice cream business that he had spent a great deal of time and effort attempting to develop was gone. Nobody is interested in purchasing ice cream from a guy who allegedly hits a girl with a hammer on a regular basis. His family was also harassed in the most heinous of ways, and between them all, they were sent more than 500 messages with threats of murder. Mohammed was unable to cope with everything that was going on, and two weeks later, he made an attempt to take his own life. Now, happily, he was not successful in this endeavor. But that does not invalidate what he was thinking and the tremendous amount of anguish he was suffering at the time. Eleanor's delusional web of a life, on the other hand, began to slowly disintegrate as the months passed by. It seemed increasingly likely that she would be taken into custody for this crime as the volume of evidence that pointed to the possibility that she had lied about what happened began to rapidly expand. Now, unfortunately, she was also suffering significantly from her own mental health, and after making an unsuccessful attempt to flee from a care support agency, she tragically sought to end her own life by taking her own life. She was unable to do what she set out to do, and after she managed to pull through, she was afterwards jailed and disciplined for violating the terms of her bail. Eleanor was eventually challenged by investigators with evidence that contradicted her account, and after realizing that she had nowhere to run, she acknowledged her lies. She was then finally brought into custody, where she remained until her trial and the charges against her were subsequently dropped. Moving on to the court proceedings of this case, 
The evidence presented against Eleanor, who was now 22 years old, was overwhelmingly compelling. All of the bogus text messages that purported to come from her abusers have been shown to be fraudulent at this point. Another Snapchat account, which Ellen claimed belonged to Jordan Tranga, was later shown to have been created using an internet service provider, ISP, address that was associated with Ellen's personal Wi-Fi network at home. Mohammed's alibi was proven to be completely credible thanks to the receipt from BNQ, and Eleanor's passport information demonstrated that she had never been to Ibiza. The footage from the surveillance cameras at the Palatine Hotel in Blackpool provided conclusive evidence that she was there by herself. It was determined that she was the owner of the DNA that was discovered on the hammer and many of the claims that she made were shown to be very contradictory to the evidence. A forensic pathologist testified in court that all of her wounds were located in regions that could be reached by her right hand and that it was highly likely that she had caused them herself. In addition, all of her wounds were located in areas that were easily accessible to her right hand. Elena's response was, I wouldn't buy a hammer to hurt myself and she went on to explain why. I'm not a sociopath or a psychopath. In court, it was shown that she had created contacts in her phone that did not actually exist, and that she had used two different mobile phones in order to send and receive messages, as well as take screenshots. They were also informed how Eleanor tricked people she was in contact with on Snapchat by renaming them on her phone with the names of alleged traffickers. This was done in order to get information from those people. In addition to this, she would provoke them to send her sexual texts and then proceed to take screenshots to give the impression that they were being harassed by traffickers. By centering her narrative on an aging community, she further stoked the flames of bigotry. In addition, the majority of the fictitious communications she sent were riddled with grammatical and spelling errors, and the sender's names were purposefully chosen to appear foreign, such as Salza. Eleanor had already been charged with seven charges of perverting the course of justice when she uploaded those photographs to Facebook, so she was out on bail at the time. But rather than buckling under the pressure, she made the decision to double down. In the most extreme of ways, a forensic pathologist would eventually come to the conclusion that all of Eleanor's wounds were self-inflicted with the hammer that she had purchased. However, the judge and the jury were still left wondering what could have possibly prompted someone like Eleanor to inflict such severe harm on themselves. During the first day of the sentencing hearing, some new information came to light. Eleanor has been evaluated many times by DR. Lucy Bacon, a forensic psychiatrist, since 2019, and she came to the conclusion that she suffered from a complicated PTSD diagnosis that was most likely the outcome of having experienced childhood trauma. According to the allegations, Eleanor exhibited all of the primary symptoms that are generally noticed in people who have severe PTSD. These symptoms include having thoughts of ending one's own life and abusing substances. 
Eleanor also appeared to have picked up the skill of concealing her identity. In an attempt to conceal her own feelings, which is a very typical response to traumatic experiences. Dior. Bacon had a hunch that Eleanor had been subjected to some type of sexual assault when she was a child, something she claimed the patient had alluded to in a cryptic manner throughout their sessions. In addition, it has been established that social services were involved with the family up until the time that Eleanor was eight years old. However, we are unable to determine the purpose of this. A male psychiatrist by the name of Dior. Martin Locke was unable to provide a diagnosis of any psychiatric condition for her. However, if Dior Bacon is correct in her own assumption. This could be due to the fact that he was a man, and Eleanor had refused to participate in any discourse with him as a result of this refusal. The judge, Mr. Altham, concurred with D.R. Martin Locke's assessment that there was insufficient evidence to arrive at a definitive diagnosis. However, he did admit that there were clear undertones of challenges in her childhood. However, he also admitted that there was very little clarity regarding what those issues may have included. Obviously, I've given considerable thought to the question of whether or not the bizarre character of these charges led me to believe that I ought to presume the defendant is suffering from some form of mental disability. There is no rational justification for the defendant's involvement in these criminal acts that can be offered. She has gone to incredible lengths, including causing serious injury to herself, in order to fabricate false claims against others. There does not appear to be any rationale behind this behavior. Nevertheless, this does not mean that I should engage in speculation. We will not be able to find out the reason why the defendant has lied to us unless and until she chooses to explain herself. It is also speculated that Eleanor is most likely a pathological liar. This is due to the fact that many of the claims that Eleanor invented were quite simple to disprove. She told people that she had a kid named Bailey, despite the fact that she had never given birth before. This is just one example of the lies that she told. She also lied to people by saying that she had been hospitalized in a coma for several weeks when in reality she had lied about this as well. Following a trial that lasted for 10 weeks, the jury reached a decision in about 3 hours and 15 minutes. It should come as no surprise that they came to the conclusion that she was convicted on all eight counts of obstructing the administration of justice. Eleanor maintained her focus on the road ahead of her while her destiny was decided. More unsettling is the fact that she has not accepted responsibility for her conduct and that she continues to view herself in the role of victim up to this day. Even though, at least to me, it is quite evident that she still needs care and support for her mental health, it is so upsetting to watch that she still does not feel any guilt for all of the pain and suffering that she has caused. Her lack of remorse is really alarming. Eleanor received a prison sentence of eight years and six months as a direct consequence of the verdict she received. However, 
because she will become eligible for parole in February 2027. It is possible that she will be released from prison in as little as four years. The victims' lives have been irreparably altered as a direct result of Eleanor's story in its entirety. Fear and dread have been Jordan Tringham's constant companions recently. Since her tweet went public, his front door has been vandalized with incredibly offensive graffiti, and some have even thrown bricks through his windows in an attempt to break it. He was also forced to spend 73 days in prison, where he was forced to share a cell with a long list of convicted sex offenders. He was arrested and forced to spend 73 days in prison. Unfortunately, Jordan spent his 19th birthday in jail, where he was subject to the same dangers as the other inmates. Eventually, he also made an attempt on his own life. Oliver Gardner was also contemplating doing the same thing, which resulted in him being sectioned under the Mental Health Act. Eleanor had only spoken to him briefly during a chance encounter outside of the Preston bus station when she asked him for a lighter. Nonetheless, she would later allege that he had abused her and attempted to sell her to a grooming gang. He had only met Eleanor once. Cameron Bibby who was the first man to be wrongfully accused in 2017, shared with the court how he was so terrified that he couldn't even pick up his son from nursery. In addition, after the allegations were revealed, several of his own neighbors put stickers demanding justice for Ellie in their car windows. It has since been determined that each of these guys suffers from severe PTSD in one form or another. Despite the fact that they have finally been held accountable for the atrocities they did not commit, it will take these men many years to untangle the tangled web of self-hatred and uncertainties. The mind is a potent and intricate tool, yet it is also something that has the potential to betray us. And despite the fact that they were never genuinely in the wrong, it is possible that accusations alone are sufficient to cause a person to feel guilty for an action that they have never really carried out. It is a horrible, deceptive impact that may come about as a direct result of extremely manipulative and cruel actions on the part of the individual. The lies told by Eleanor took the lives of several innocent individuals, which in turn took the lives of all of their families. And to add insult to injury, I claim that Eleanor's own life was taken as a result of all of this. However, up until this day, Ellen's family has been under the impression that she was exploited by a malevolent agent grooming group. It seems to me as though they have not yet confronted the harsh, hard reality of this story. Nonetheless, I assume that their hopeless love is what prevents them from exercising rational judgment. Because the tragic case of Eleanor has had a devastating impact, discouraging many others from coming forward with their own stories of abuse and trauma. People are quick to jump to conclusions without questioning the matter, a natural response that is hardwired into our DNA. However, in a world increasingly controlled by social media, we must learn to rein ourselves in when it comes to emotionally charged content and tales. In this case, 
Several individuals were left with life-altering repercussions as a result of jumping to conclusions. It is my sincere hope that they will be able to find peace moving forward. As we draw to a close on this tale, I cannot express enough gratitude for your time and attention. I invite you to share your thoughts on this story in the comments section below. While it may differ from my usual content, I believe there are valuable lessons to be learned from this tragic case. Would you like to hear more stories like this in the future? Let me know by responding to this comment or reaching out on one of my social media platforms. Until we meet again, take care of yourselves and each other. Watch your step and stay safe. Thank you and farewell.